Before we get started, we wanted to tell you about the First Draft Podcast with ESPN experts Mel Kuyper Jr., Todd McShay, and Phil Yates. They will be keeping tabs on the latest with the NFL Draft every Wednesday. Listen where you are listening to this podcast and also on YouTube. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. I'm down in Dallas, Texas, and that's my boy Ryan Clark. I could imagine he's in Bristol somewhere celebrating the Emmy. They had a big party for Ryan. Uh, his Why Emmy nomination when he walked on campus the so other day. Much. It was crazy. I was just so happy to be a part of it at all because they FaceTimed me so I could see my boy just getting praised on the campus. RC, what's up, my guy? <laughs> Nothing. I just love to see that your friendship also allows the lying to extend to my life as well. And so I'm very grateful that you can now lie for me along with lying for yourself, man. But everything is good over this side, bro. Let's get to the show. You know me, I like to, to tell a, a tall tale every now and again. But it's all good, right? We on TV. We don't lie. Guys, coming up on the show, we got to look back on UFC Kansas City. Max Holloway did his thing because choo-choo, the Blessed Express went right through KC, (laughs) dog. It was a great fight, but the Blessed Express is still rolling. Then, hey, RC, I got to reminisce, man. Today makes 10 years when I made my UFC debut. And then, as always, we tap in or we tap out. RC, what's up, though, man? How you been, man? You watched Kansas City last week? You saw Max Holloway doing his thing? Man, I did. After I saw you do a little bit of on camera when when we got to the broadcast, we saw Max Holloway really do what Max Holloway does in the featherweight division. And we were even texting about it, DC, trying to figure out if – Look at that D.C. with the barbecue right there. We know you got you some good barbecue. We know you made sure you ate good down there, bro. I'm going to get some of that next week for Super Bowl. But when you think about – Jerome Max Holloway and what he's done (laughs) against every other featherweight that's a top contender, not named Alexander Volkanovsky. That was just another example of it against Arnold Allen and who wasn't eating that night is Arnold Allen. Max Holloway not only was able to strike when he wanted to with efficiency and with accuracy, he also defended well and not really taking the type of shots we're used to seeing Max Holloway have to eat in order to get through a five-round bout. When you're watching this again, DC, and it's not what it was against Calvin Cater where he's talking to you as Cater is trying to strike him and he's moving and using his head movement, what were you thinking watching Max Holloway again put on a masterful performance? You know, RC, first off, the way I do that with my fingers, it looked like I done did that way too many times in my life, right? Because it just it just was so smooth the way I put the fingers in my mouth to have to eat some barbecue. <laughs> RC, it's called green. That don't make no, da- that don't make no <laughs> damn sense. Like you, got, you done got that so good, your fingers just move the court. But, you know, like you just made a great point. You said it wasn't the damage that Max generally has to take. Now, we have seen Max Holloway in this position before. We saw him have to come back and beat Yair Rodriguez to try to get back to Alexander Volkanovsky. And Yair was fighting him so well that Max started to wrestle and wrestle Mm -hmm. a lot in order to get the victory. In this fight, 
while Arnold Allen was competitive, it didn't seem like Max was in as much danger as he was with Yair Rodriguez. It felt more like Calvin Cater without as many strikes landing. So it right. felt like he was in control, like the Calvin Cater fight, just not as mm -hmm. overwhelmingly in control. I thought the rounds were close. I thought Arnold Allen did a good job and made a good account of himself. But I did believe that Max Holloway won the fight. But all the rounds were fairly close. What I was thinking, though, was this guy once again proves that he is head and shoulders above everyone but the champion. And he doubles down on it, RC. He goes, I'm still not done. I'm staying here to try to earn another opportunity at Alexander Volkanovsky. And it would seem as though this is purgatory for him. He's just kind of going to spin the wheel, continue to beat the best guys. But he showed once again on Saturday that, one, he's an absolute star because the place in Kansas City was packed. And he's as good as they come. And if not for one man, Max Holloway still probably would be standing atop the featherweight division. But this stat right here, Ryan, is the craziest crazy. stat. That's Dude has crazy. landed 3,000 strikes. <laughs> 3,000 strikes, bro. Hey, here's what's crazy, though, DC. Half of those strikes were in the Calvin Cater fight and probably all of them in the fourth round. You stop, know when stop, you... stop, 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 stop. <laughs> hey, when you think of, of Max and you mentioned stardom, which made me take my mind here. Max is now at a spot, whether it's at 145 or 155, where even though he's in purgatory as far as a championship, as long as Alexander Volkanovsky is the champion, he can fight up, fight fight in 145. And some of those matchups that we deem exciting, giving him opportunities to almost be in that Nathan Diaz type of spot where Jorge Masvidal ended up being in, kind of where, kind of where Conor McGregor is and knowing that he's a dude that no matter what card you put him on, he's going mm -hmm. to be a fight that people tap in to see. And he can obviously headline fight nights. But when you look at him saying, I'm going to stay here, I'm looking for that next opportunity at Alexander Volkanovsky, the championship, what could be next for him, DC? Well, I think he, I think he kind of has an idea. And this is kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit. But he called for the Korean zombie fight because he said all the guys from that era that was when he was the champion, he's fought them all except for the zombie. And honestly, this was the fight that Max wanted prior to the Arnold Allen fight. Max Holloway said, I want Chan Sung Jung. I want to fight the Korean zombie because I know it's going to be fun. I want that experience because the Korean zombie is one of those guys that people love also. Korean Zombie has some big wins in his career, too. He beat Dustin Poirier back in the day. He fought for the championship against Jose Aldo. Remember, he popped his shoulder out and still fought. Like, Korean Zombie is a savage. So he wants that fight. And I think that now, Max taking the Arnold Allen fight shows the company he'll fight just about anyone. Now, let's give him one that's fun. Because I feel like him and the Korean Zombie is an absolutely fun fight that so many people would enjoy. And that is easily a main event of a fight night or as high as the third fight or co-main event on the pay-per-view, Ryan. No, you're exactly right. And that's what I was alluding to when I was saying the spot that Max is now in 
when it pertains to the UFC and the type of eyeballs and the type of excitement that he's able to generate every time he steps into the octagon. But he is sitting in purgatory mostly because there was an interim title bout without Max Holloway. It was yeah. Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. Yair submits Josh Emmett, and now he gets the next opportunity to fight the champion, Alexander Volkanovsky. So if you're Max Holloway and you're on the outside looking in at that fight, where does it put you, DC? Because if Alexander Volkanovsky wins, you're in the same spot. Do people want to see number four? But if Yair Rodriguez wins, you would assume Volk gets the next chance or gets an opportunity to win his bout back, and then Max Holloway would be the next up. That's what he's hoping for. He has to hope that Yair Rodriguez that showed up in Australia that just really battered and bruised Josh Emmett. Ryan, you and I both know that Josh Emmett is a stud. And the way Yair Rodriguez beat him, it wasn't competitive for any part of that fight. He really just beat him up. So Max has to hope that that guy shows up when he fights Alexander Volkanovsky and wins. And then even if they fight in the rematch, he has to play his cards right. He's got to say, I'll fight the Korean zombie at the same time that Yair Rodriguez is getting a rematch against Alexander Volkanovsky. So he's got to work the timeline a little bit because ultimately what, what Holloway is going to have to hope for is a bit of luck and changing of the guard. Like Kobe Covington, right, Ryan? Perfect example. Mm -hmm. It seemed as though he was done. His championship aspirations had to be done. Here comes Leon Edwards, and it changes completely. Kobe went from being 0-2 against the champ to now a fresh matchup, and the guy standing in a yeah. title fight against Leon Edwards. I think Max Holloway has to hope for some of that same stuff and work the timing to be close to when those guys are fighting for those championships. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned you lying right off of the top of this show. We know you constantly cheat in all of our top five. It seems that Max Holloway had a complaint about you too, DC. Let's give it a listen. What? DC owed me, uh, he owed me barbecue. Okay. He owed me, but he got to change, change your flight, DC. He owed me barbecue. Uh, he told me, if you win this fight, Max, I'll stay and I'll, get, I'll go buy you barbecue. I was he's like, so bad at paying up better. on bets. Yeah, yeah he so is. Bad at he owes a oh bet from gosh. like 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Guy's the worst. <laughs> like, what is what is up with you, DC? You hey, have this hey, very teddy bear, care bear-like exterior, <laughs> exterior that seems that it would make you this lovable guy who is honorable, who pays his yeah, bets, yeah, yeah. who doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah. cheat on top fives, yet you're quite the contrary. Please explain why Max doesn't have his barbecue and you owe him from a bet you made in 2016, bro? Max is lying. Max is lying, bro. Y'all don't know Max. He's a liar. He's a liar, and he's a scoundrel. He's a scoundrel, dog, and he's lying. I paid him his bet. He hasn't paid me, and I went to get Max barbecue, Ryan, but he didn't go. I waited too late, and he rushed. By the time I called him for lunch, Max Holloway was like, I just finished eating barbecue, DC. So you know what I did, RC? Let me tell you what I did as a good uncle. Put him on the screen so he can see this. Look, RC. I found out that my niece was playing basketball in Kansas City. So look at that. I stayed back, okay. and I went and watched okay. my niece play, my, my nephew's daughter, and they won the tournament. So I watched, and then I saw Max later in the day 
because he had already had his barbecue. But yes, Holloway's a liar, bro. He's a freaking liar. And I'm telling you, this dude was supposed to come to my gym and train, and he didn't. You know what he told me Sunday? I'm going to come, man. I'm like, yo, you ain't got a lot to kick it, bro. We've been friends for long enough. You ain't got a lot of DC. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting free Fridays. Well, what about selling with Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch at your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autograph apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all in one commerce platform to their in person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling. Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U S and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dcrc. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash DCRC now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash DCRC. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Speaking of lying, one guy that wasn't lying, that he was on the verge of something big when he left the UFC, was Nathan Diaz. He said that 
I'm going to go out and find something real big. Well, now it got announced that he's fighting Jake Paul. That's big because I, I, there's two schools of thought, right? One is this, where Nate went and scheduled something big like he said he would, and then Francis, on the other hand, hasn't really got a clear idea of what he's doing. So while it seems like one seems to be kind of hanging around trying to figure it out, Nate Diaz now has his sights set on Jake Paul. When you look at this, what do you think initially? Because to me, it's like Jake Paul went, he fought Tommy Fury, who you were so rude about, made fun of, lost, and now he's back to fighting retired mixed martial arts guys, the guys that left the UFC. What do you think about this fight between Diaz and Jake Paul? And don't forget you did disrespect Tommy Fury. That that Jake Paul is going to beat Nathan Diaz? That you it's think possible. so? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a high probability this fight is stopped. He going to call me. That he going to call me, bro. He going he, he to call go me on you. Decision. And DC, <laughs> and, that's, and that's fine. But when we think of Nathan Diaz, we think of tough right away. Oh you God. think of skilled both on his feet and in grappling and in what he can do on the mat, but he's also a dude that gets hit a lot. And we've seen that Jake Paul, for whatever you think about him, is someone who can lay hands on you and lay hands on you in a heavy way. Let's think Tyron Woodley. Think about uh, Nate um, Nate Washington. Ben Not Ashton. Nate Washington. Ben a- um, Nate Robinson. You know the basketball Nate player. And Nate, Nate Robinson. Robinson. Ben Askren. Yeah, you think... And then you think about what he did with Anderson Silva. So Jake Paul has shown that he packs power within the boxing ring, and Nathan Mm -hmm. Diaz is a guy that gets hit. And what it does bring to mind, though, DC, and I think makes you realize, you mentioned Francis Ngannou. This tells me more than anything that Nate Diaz actually is a star. The thing that Francis had on his side when he was fighting in the UFC was that he was the UFC champion. But outside of that, he doesn't have a following that I believe carries over to a fight with Tyson Fury to make that some sort of mega match. Whereas Nate Diaz and who he is and the, 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 the Stockton, fo- Stockton following, the, the Diaz mafia, those guys are going to travel with Nate. And this is a big money pickup or money grab for Nate Diaz, a fight that Jake Paul can win, and something that I think people will tune into. I'm definitely watching it. i tell you that much. <laughs> you can take my money right now. I'm watching, bro, because I want to see those guys. I, I, I see it in this way. I don't disagree with you in the sense that <laughs> Nate has to be very careful. But what I do think, Ryan, when watching Jake fight against Tommy Fury, he's not as good as we originally thought because Tommy Fury pretty much limited him to just throwing overhand rights. He didn't have an answer for Tommy Fury, a guy that's been boxing for as long as Fury's been boxing. He just kept trying to hit him with the overhand right because, wait. Who said Jake Paul was good? You thought Jake Paul was good? No, I thought that I respected what he was doing because he beat Anderson in the boxing match. And what he did to Tyron and those guys. So I did think that he was really improving. But I think in watching the Tommy Fury match, it showed me how limited he still is in terms of his boxing development. Because when that that weapon 
was rendered useless, he just kept going to it. And it became more and more evident that it wasn't going to land, but he didn't have a plan B. He didn't start to just fight behind the jab. He didn't start going to the body. And in that, I think that is where I give Nate Diaz the chance. Because Diaz has been boxing for a long time. Diaz has done rounds with Andre Ward. Diaz has been around the sport of boxing and fighting for a really long time. Now, am I confident enough to say that Nate beats this kid? I don't know. Because the kid does have a lot of power. But I think it is must-see TV, and I'm watching. You know, Dana kind of no-sold it the other day. They asked Dana about it. Dana goes, I hope they make a ton of money, but I ain't talking about it. It's not my fight. But I think that it was good of Nate to go out and make a decision and determination as to what's next right away before the, the, the spotlight starts to dim a little bit because the longer you're away, the worse it gets for you. Well, I think Nate Diaz was already planning this before he left the USC. And I think the thing about the Diaz family, the Diaz brothers, is they're intelligent about the way they have gone about the business of fighting. And so for Nate Diaz to make a decision to leave the UFC, I believe you expected that this would happen. And we have a ton of times uh, or a ton of time to talk about these fights or this fight in the months to come. But what we don't get very often or very many opportunities to do is talk about your UFC debut versus Frank Mir 10 years <laughs> ago this week, DC. You are a brash young champion coming over from another organization. You still almost kind of had a hairline. And they put you right in that octagon against Frank Mir, who was a former heavyweight champion. DC, what do you remember about that night? And what kind of nerves did you have stepping into the UFC and the bright lights? You saw me try to kick him in the head right there, RC. You don't be out throwing kicks out. <laughs> You're a little I more flexible than I thought. Like, I was like a dog out there. But no, uh, <laughs> I remember being like really nervous because it was in San Jose, right? And it was where I was from and where I was living and training. So, bro, San Jose treated the American Kickboxing Academy like its own entity, its own professional team. I would get so many videos of bars and places in town when all of us fought me. Velasquez, Habib, every time we fought, sorry guys, I dropped my camera. Every time we fought, <laughs> um, every time we fought, it was just so packed and people were so excited to see us compete that I just loved it. But bro, when I hit that, when I hit that curtain, RC, it was so loud. And people talk about octagon jitters. People talk about can you live up to what the UFC expects? I hugged. Frank Mir for 15 minutes. I was so nervous, RC. I didn't want to lose so bad that I just clinched <laughs> him a lot of the time, and it was a really boring fight. And I, you know how I tell you? the You know it's boring, RC? Because I was working at Fox at the time. And uh, I remember going to, going to work on Wednesday. And Dana used to come to this show called UFC Tonight all the time. And he walked up to me, and he goes, oh, you're hosting the big show already. And I was so excited and so happy, Ryan. And that dude goes, and the person from the show goes, it doesn't look like he fought, right, Dana? And Dana goes, well, he didn't. All he did was hug <laughs> the guy for 15 minutes. He's like, y'all got him hosting the show. It was crazy, man. Crazy. <laughs> hey, DC, <laughs> but 
you know, that was the start to a second act in your mixed martial arts career, which landed you in the UFC Hall of Fame. And so when you think of that night, it's truly the night that Daniel Cormier, two-division champion, was born. And now the dude that I get an opportunity every Tuesday to sit and do a podcast with that I enjoy doing. So for me, man, that is a huge night in my career as well. But I got an opportunity, bro, to do my top three Daniel Cormier UFC moments. Now, at number three, I'm going press conference, John Jones, DC (laughs) altercation. And I'm going to tell you why, because this is what I loved about it. This was when I truly knew you was from Louisiana. Because every now and then, you know, they, they say a dude's from Louisiana, but you don't really see him act like he from the boot. The one thing we gonna do is pop off first. If there is any sign of any type of beef, like my homeboy Ike Taylor said that went to ULL, eye contact gets you instant beef. And for you with John Jones, it was instant beef and I loved it. Now at number two, I'm going your fight against Frank Mir. Yeah, I know you hugged him and I know you were a little nervous and scared, but without that fight and without winning that fight, You don't get to be on the trajectory that you were on to be a champion. I think the other thing that stuck out to me about that, in your first UFC fight, bro, you were the co-main event. And so when you talk about headliners, Daniel Cormier for his entire career in the UFC was a freaking headliner. And number one for me is you beating Stipe Miocic to just truly, truly solidify yourself as one of the all-time greats that have ever been in this sport to be a champion at light heavyweight and then move up and go through the gauntlet of having to get that opportunity of fighting bigger men and then finding a way to beat Stipe Miocic, who is the greatest heavyweight champion of all time. That is absolutely my number one Daniel Cormier moment. It's not the most fun one because number three is the most fun Daniel Cormier moment, but it's definitely the moment that lets you put those two straps on your shoulders and put you in an atmosphere or a stratosphere with not many that have ever done it. That was that was that was a great list, Ryan. That's probably the best list you've ever done. But yeah, RC, hey, when you got a problem with somebody from Louisiana, especially in that environment, it's on site, baby. It's on site. On site. So when you it's got a close to it's on site, RC. I had to, <laughs> you kind of grab him by the neck, right? But then he they threw me down, they jumped me. At one point, his manager hit me. <laughs> It was bad. It was real bad. I threw my shoe at him. Uh, the Frank Mir fight making my dude is great. And the dude, that that double champion moment will always be the highlight of my entire athletics career, obviously. So it was a great, great career. Thank you for doing that, RC. But you know what time nah, it is, man. Thank you you got to go. You got to fly home. It's time to tap in, tap out. Corporate Jake, hit us. All right, guys. This weekend, a pair of top five heavyweights face off between Curtis Blades and Sergey Pavlovich. DC, tap in or tap out. The winner is next in line behind Stipe for a title shot. I believe that. I tap in. Mm-hmm. I tap in that whoever gets the job done this weekend will get a title fight. Now, Sergey Pavlovic has knocked everyone out, so it makes it yep. fun. I hope that this weekend we get to see him fight a little longer so we know if he really can compete against the elite and the elite of the division because Curtis Blades is good. And Curtis Blades may present a matchup problem for Stipe Miocic or John Jones. Yeah, I absolutely believe this is a fight for the next contender 
to the heavyweight champion, John Jones, or if Stipe Miocic is able to win the belt, belt back from him. But the thing I'm looking forward to seeing here is how does Curtis Blades wrestling negate a little bit of the power we've seen from Sergey uh, Sergei Pavlovich over the last few fights? Cobra Jake. With Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush off of UFC 288, Gilbert Burns is itching to get on the card. He is calling for Bilal Muhammad, and Bilal is up for the challenge. RC, tap in or tap out on Burns versus Bilal as the new co-main event for UFC 288. Listen, I tap in. Uh, the first thing this says is it tells you that Gilbert didn't, didn't take any punishment in his fight against Jorge Masvidal, but it also is showing that Gilbert Burns again is telling the UFC, telling the fans, I want all smoke at all times and to step up once again and take on someone that is as hot as Bilal Muhammad is in that division is saying a lot for Gilbert Burns and also letting the world know he wants that next shot at the title. Yeah, I tap in. I tap in on the fight. I do worry a bit about some of the other things, Ryan, that Bilal Muhammad would have to go through, right? It's Ramadan. He's a Muslim. How does this guy deal with the fasting that they do daily? Is this going to be beneficial to Bilal Muhammad? I think it's a great fight. But I think for all that Bilal Muhammad has done, he has to factor in everything to ensure that he does have to restart this run because it's very difficult. And Gilbert Burns is the man. And that dude is always yeah. looking for a fight. Corporate yeah. Jake. Last one. Jordan Clark, son of our own RC, was on the Bussin' with the Boys podcast and told a story about how Ryan reacted to a poor f performance by Jordan. <laughs> I'll tell a story. I was in my jamboree my sophomore year. I had missed like two or three tackles. And if there's one thing that my dad did when he played, it was he hunted, bro. Like, he was a, a banger. So I missed three tackles, and I seen him stand up in the stands, and I already knew he was mad. And the next day, bro, he woke me up. And he brought out his Super Bowl helmet and his pads. And we did Oklahoma's for like an hour. <laughs> no, no, bro. No, bro, legitimately. Like an hour. Like lined up across each other, like five <laughs> yards away from each other and just ran into each other for like an hour. And I got what? yelled at, cussed out, yeah. like everything. And I was like, I was mad. I went home crying. Like I was hurt. But How old were you? Sophomore in high school. How old is that? 15? <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, I was about 15, yeah. DC, tap in or tap out on RC's parenting slash coaching techniques. <laughs> This is terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. I knew he had some deep, dark secrets. I knew he had some deep, dark secrets. And they finally came out thanks to nephew. My goodness. He's one of those crazy dad coaches. He's one of those crazy dad coaches. I love that it's not just me. I tap in. They did Oklahoma. I would have loved to see him in his Super Bowl helmet with his shorts on. My goodness. <laughs> Hey, Corporate J, DC, bro, I was so mad. And I told him, I said, hey, man, I ain't give you nothing if I ain't gave you my last name. And we are not going to be out here looking soft. So, period, boy, Blake, oh we had to go out. We were going to do Oklahoma's until he got tired of it. Oh he started God. crying. I said, hey, Yanka was so mad at me, bro. Y'all oh, like, bruh. hey, I got no no home cooked meals for a week, but I did not care because he ain't missed no tackles that next Friday night, man. DC, I hated that we had to rush it, man, but this was so much fun. Congratulations on us celebrating your 10 year debut in the UFC. I hope you're running mm. off some of that barbecue chicken from Kansas City. But you got to tell me what the best spots are. I'll be out there next week for the NFL 2023 draft. And they remember, y'all can always catch us on Tuesdays and on anywhere, anywhere you get your podcast, also at 12 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2.
Hey, Ryan, I got about three promos in the other day on the UFC. I got a couple that wasn't even scheduled into the show. I was hitting them up with the promo. Dog, another great show. And, bro, I'm looking at you with my nose turned up because I can't believe you treated Jordan like that. I knew you had some deep, dark secrets. I knew. Hey, boy, you, you got to do what you got to do, stuff. bro. You ought to be ashamed of yourself, man. That's a damn shame.